0: If you want a great conversation with a Philadelphia sports figure you should know more about, listen to One on One with Matt Leon on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your
1: podcasts. KYW News Radio
2: Original Podcasts. Picture this you're coming home from high school one day, and this is what you walked in on going on in your house.
0: My mother and our, our domestic helper are up in my room cleaning my stuff out, and I they need me to help them tie the two twin beds together. I said, what's going on? Wilt's moving in.
2: Meet Dave Richmond. He's the son of Ike Richmond, the original founder and owner of the Philadelphia 76ers. Then and now, in Philadelphia, there's only one Wilt.
0: All of a sudden, he moved in. And he lived there from February through April. So he had my room. I was in the guest room. We shared a bathroom. My sister was also on that floor. I got to know him quite well.
2: I'm Brian Seltzer, and I'm hanging out with KYW News Radio's Dave Urin. Hey, Brian. And today on the John Cast, how the relationship between Wilt Chamberlain and Ike Richmond helped save the 76ers. Wilt Chamberlain meant different things to different people.
3: I'm Howard Asking. I was a ball boy for the 76ers.
1: Before Howard made it big on the radio, he grew up as a sports crazed kid from the Northeast.
3: I won a ball boy contest for the 76ers. So I'm on the bench, on the bench with Wilt Chamberlain. I came up to his waist. And of course, I'm like 13 or 14 years old. Wilt Chamberlain was pro- not probably was the most dominant player that I ever, ever saw play in the NBA. Now, I use the word dominant, and I will further that by saying, I can't even imagine guys today, and we'll use Joel Embiid as the example. Oh, gee, he wouldn't be able to play against Joel Embiid, and he wouldn't dominate Joel Embiid. Wilt Chamberlain would flat out dominate Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid would be gassed after about 20-some minutes of playing against Will Chamberlain.
2: Over in West Philadelphia, Wilt was the standard. He was the inspiration.
4: My name is Wally Wonder Jones. Wilt was like a big brother because they're in the neighborhood, we'd go to his house.
2: Wally grew up in the same rec centers as Wilt and then went to the same high school as Wilt at Overbrook.
4: Everybody looked up to a man of that stature. Not only his, his height and his stature as a man, but the way he talked about He was a very Renaissance man, very intelligent. Because he always would tell us on Old Bruce team, be scholar-athletes. Don't let these guys come to you and not you have the credentials to go to college. He preached that, but he was at our games.
1: But for the city of Philadelphia, Wilt's significance was even greater. He was more than a superstar, more than a role model. He was both a savior and a catalyst.
0: I would put it this way. He created
2: the Sixers. And if you wanted to put Dave Richmond's words yet another way, before Wilt... The Sixers were not Philadelphia's team. There was no connection between the fans and the franchise. And because of that, the 76ers could have very well been a very quick failure. Back in 1964, they just finished their first season in Philadelphia, 12 games under 500. And if you thought some of those process years were bad, this was at a different level. Now, we talked to Dave Richmond a couple times for this story. This time, we had him on the phone with us, and he painted the picture of Just how rough it was.
0: Nobody was coming to the games and nobody cared. And we played the first season like that. It was dismal.
2: See, Philadelphia had an NBA team two years earlier, and it was a great one. The Philadelphia Warriors. But in 1962, the team was sold and shipped off to San Francisco.
3: It was devastating. It was tough because we lost Will Chamberlain. We lost the Warriors, which were a good team. And uh, we lost basketball for a year.
1: About a year later in 1963, Philadelphia got a
2: new team. Only there was a bit of a problem. It wasn't an original expansion team. Richmond bought the Syracuse Nationals and then relocated them to Philly.
0: We hated the Boston Celtics. I mean, the hatred of it was off the charts. And the second most hated team in the league was Syracuse. We hated them.
2: Ike Richmond... Dave Richmond's dad and the new owner of the Sixers knew his team needed some kind of boost, anything to generate interest. Well, how about this for a solve? You go out and get the best player on the planet.
1: Trading for Wilt wasn't as far-fetched as it sounded. Ike had the relationships to pull this off. He worked in the Warriors' front office as the team's lawyer when they were in Philadelphia, and he knew the owner. Ike was also Wilt's agent and confidant.
0: I'm not sure that it ever was not part of his plan to bring Wilt back at some point. I think from the time he started, he had always thought that he was going to do that somehow. And
2: he did it. Let's set the scene. It was January 13th, 1965. The whole league was in St. Louis for the NBA All-Star Game. The Sixers and Warriors came to an agreement. Wilt Chamberlain to the Sixers in exchange for Lee Schaefer— Connie Deerking, Paul Newman, and a reported $150,000. Not a bad deal,
0: right? When that trade happened, first of all, the whole sports world went nuts. But Wilk flew in to Philly, and he worked out with the, the team the first night at the arena at 48th and Market, and 900 people showed up just to watch the practice. I knew about that trade a week before anybody else in the world knew about it. I was going to Cheltenham High School that week knowing that the trade was going to be announced, and I wasn't allowed to say anything to anybody. It was unbelievable.
1: This is how Howard Eskin remembered finding out the news. We didn't have the word of mouth.
3: We weren't sitting there with our phones and looking at social media. We talked about it the next day, obviously, in school, but I didn't find out about it until afterwards. Until maybe the news uh, and they reported it. It was pure excitement. I don't remember us thinking about a championship. We just thought about getting the greatest basketball player that any of us had ever seen. So, yeah, so there was there was real. It was real excitement.
2: All of a sudden, Philadelphia really had a team back. The arrival of Wilt marked the true beginning of the Philadelphia 76ers. Up until then, the franchise was nothing. But from here, the story takes a
1: wild twist. Wilt was coming back home, but he still needed a place to
2: live. Let's first give you some background on where Wilt was going. If you head north up Broad Street, one of the first towns you pass through when you leave the city limits is Elkins Park. That's where Ike, Dave, and the Richmans lived at that time. There was a lot of money that came into Elkins Park back in the late 19th and early 20th centuries from families that now have buildings and streets and estates named after them throughout the Philadelphia area. We're talking the Stetsons, the Wanamakers, the Wideners. You can still find these big, great gatsby houses in Elkins Park. The area is really diverse now, but Dave Richmond says that wasn't the case back in the 50s and 60s.
0: Where I lived in those days, there were no black people there in our neighborhood, and there, there was just 100% white.
1: After Ike Richmond pulled off the trade for Wilt Chamberlain in January of 1965, the Dipper needed a place to stay. Welcome to Elkins Park, Pennsylvania, Wilt.
0: All of a sudden, there's a seven-foot-tall black guy out walking in the neighborhood. And within days, it was, oh, it's Wilt Chamberlain. He's staying at Ike Richmond's house. And what used to happen, he'd be out walking. A school bus would pull by, and the driver would pull over. And Wilt was tall enough to look in, and all the kids would run by, and he'd be with them and hang out and talk to them. He was a superstar.
2: If you did a side-by-side of Ike Richmond and Wilt Chamberlain, you couldn't have two different people. Ike was a tiny, somewhat diminutive Jewish man. Wilt, obviously as tall as a California Redwood. Ike grew up in South Philly, the son of immigrants who fled Eastern Europe. Wilt was a product of West Philly, but basketball was their connection.
0: My father said to him, look, you know, you're, you're going to be a superstar in the NBA. You're going to make a lot of money and I'm, I, I'm offering my services to you to be your personal attorney and also to be your financial advisor because this kid was, you know, he just came from nowhere, and all of a sudden he's going to have all this money. And, it, you know, a lot of these people like Mickey Mantle and some of these other sports figures gambled and drank their money away. So immediately from the time, well, was in 11th grade, they had this relationship.
1: By the time the Sixers made the trade for Wilt in 65, Ike had known Wilt for about 10 years. So there was nothing out of the ordinary about Ike offering Wilt a place to stay or Wilt taking up that offer.
0: We would play Four Deck War, which is a card game on the floor of my room. And it was great doing that because he was uh, laying on the floor. So I was talking to him face to face and we would just have a normal conversation and he you know, who are you going out with, you seeing anybody, you know, all this kind of stuff. But when he would stand up, you would forget, right? A sports writer once said the first time he stood next to Will Chamberlain, the only thing he could compare it to was the first time he ever saw the Empire State Building it was like, oh my God, I can't believe because he was ridiculously large.
2: Will was known as a night owl and In the 1960s, he bought a jazz club up in Harlem. All he ever wanted to do when the Sixers weren't playing and they were in the area was go up there and hang out.
0: When my father made the trade for Wilt, one of the first things he did is he sent him to his doctor. He thought Wilt had some pancreas problems, and he was a little concerned about how much he was partying. That's why my father said to him, you you have to move in with us. A lot of times... Uh, Wilt had a driver. That driver would, at, after a game, if he had a few days, would drive him up to New York. And all of a sudden, at some point in time, that driver would start telling Wilt, oh, I got the flu, I can't go, or something would happen. He'd go, oh, my mother's sick, I got to go be with her. And Wilt was paying the driver to take him, and after my father died, we found out that the driver said my father was paying him not to take him. <laughs> so my, my father was paying him to make up in the last minute, say, "Oh, I can't go." He didn't. He didn't want him to tell him in advance. He'd, he'd tell him, "Yeah, I'm going." They go, "Oh, I can't go. I can't make it." So Wilt a lot of times was stuck with me because in that house, you know, he would. He'd eat dinner with us, and then he'd go hang out in my father's office with him for a while, and then he'd come upstairs, and we would hang out and talk and have a great time and everything.
1: How strong was Wilt and Ike's relationship? Well, towards the end of Wilt's first season with the 76ers in 1965, rumors were swirling that he was going to retire. Ike did not flinch.
0: When my father told Wilt that they were making the trade and they wanted to get him, Wilt said, hey, I'm quitting at the end of this year. Don't do it, Ike. I'm not doing it. My father said, I'm doing it, and we'll talk about it. You know, And he said, don't, Ike. I'm not going to play. I'm going to quit. When my father announced to the press the, the thing, somebody said, well, you know, Wilt says he's going to quit. My father just, with a smile, said, I, I think we can figure out a way to keep him, let him keep playing.
2: Ike was focused on one thing, keep Wilt happy.
0: My father was the owner of the team. He was also the team's attorney, and he negotiated Wilt's contract with himself. He always gave Wilt the most amount of money that anybody ever made. And sometimes sometimes the Celtics would goof around and try to put it up by a dollar and my father would immediately raise it by 10 cuz he never wanted anybody making more money than wilt.
1: Behind the scenes, Ike Richmond and Wilt got a deal done before the end of the playoffs. Now, they had to go get Wilt some help.
2: One of the players Ike wanted really bad was Wally Jones.
1: Wally was coming off of an
2: all-rookie season with the Baltimore Bullets, but he was dealing with some off-court issues. Just like Ike opened his doors to Wilt after the trade with the Warriors a few months earlier, Ike did the same for Wally Jones.
4: I had gone away, and I would gained a lot of weight. And when they picked me up, I was in Seattle, so I went back. Uh, they picked me up. I went over to Ike's house, and I stayed with Ike Richmond, the owner.
1: Wally came up through West Philadelphia, just like Wilt Chamberlain. Wally was a couple of years younger, but they played at the same rec centers, and both went to Overbrook.
0: One day, I'm eating lunch with my parents. It's a Saturday afternoon, and there's a knock on our front door. Our house had a back door that everybody came in. Nobody ever came in the front door. Nobody ever knocked on the front door. There's a knock on the front door. I go to get it. I open the door. There's this guy standing there, kind of disheveled looking. He says, is this like Richmond's house? I said, yeah. He goes, um, uh, My name's Wally Jones. I I heard he might be able to help me out. I said, don't move. (laughs) I went and got my father. My father comes out, greets Wally like he's his old best friend. Wally, great choice. Great. Come on in, you know. They go in. They spend about an hour in my father's office. They come out. This guy looked like a totally different guy.
2: Stories like this speak to the type of touch Ike had with his players, and not just Will.
0: They made me feel good. It helped me. Changed
4: my thought process of uh, dealing with problems. Uh, you know, you have your old idiosyncrasies that I had that I didn't want to talk to any about my personal problems, but I was able to, you know, ventilate to him and tell him. And they helped me. I mean, they helped me more than just on the court. I'm talking about uh, my life. So uh, I owe a lot to Ike Richmond.
2: Ike Richmond had done it, he put all the pieces together. Now, all the 76ers had to do was go out and play the games.
0: Everybody felt we were going to win. This was our year. That was it. And that was the vibe. Everybody believed we were going to win the championship. There was like no doubt. And I think if my father hadn't died, I think they, I think they would have.
2: We're going to take a quick break, then be right back.
1: December 3rd, 1965. The Sixers were about a couple of months into the season and headed up to Boston for a game at the Garden. Ike Richmond made the trip with the team.
0: My father died in the first quarter. Um, he was a superstitious guy, and the score was tied 13-13, and he dropped dead.
2: Ike Richmond's son, Dave, said his mom, Claire, saw the whole thing on TV.
0: At halftime, they told the team that he was dead. When the team came out after halftime, they annihilated the Celtics in the garden, okay? And every member of the team, every member of the starting team was in double figures. Wilt was, you couldn't play with him. Nobody could get a shot off. He just totally, completely dominated. Wally
4: Jones scored 16 points that night. You know, things overcome you. Your grief is something when you have a man that took you in. You know, I can't actually remember or oh, remember how sad, uh, sad I was. I think at that time, I was just too young to deal with realizing a man that was a father figure also, even though my father was always at the games and there in support. But this is a guy that gave me another chance. In other words, I was out of basketball. I was out, you know, and he traded for me. My career was uh, extended <laughs> because of him.
0: So he died on a Friday and Saturday night after sundown, just the immediate family went over to the funeral home to, to take a look at him. You know, they had him laid out and we got home and I walk in the house and wilt sitting in, in the dining room. And I looked at him and I just lost it. First of all, the only people that were there were very, very close friends and immediate guests. He just wanted to be with my mother. As close as Wilt was to my father, he was also very, very close to my mother. The next day was Sunday, was his funeral, and the team came together and they walked in and it was standing room only, and they they stood against the far wall, all of them together, Wilt in the center. Wilt was as broken up as anybody. He was, he was absolutely as sad as you think he would have been. This was the cl- one of the closest people and somebody he'd known for a really, really long time.
4: We're talking about a team family concept. Uh, he took me into his home. We respected him and he's very close to us. We did a lot of functions together. That's something that I appreciated when I came to the seventy sixes, We did a lot of things as a team team family concept so he meant a lot to me
1: five months later in april 1966 the 76ers season fizzled. they got blown out in the first round of the playoffs boston beat them again the sixers fired dolph shays as head coach and replaced him with alex hannum a guy who didn't play favorites they got off to a fast start and the young howard eskin was thrilled as was the rest of philadelphia
3: Man, they had some really good players. When you think that Billy Cunningham, who was on the original, the first top 50 All-NBA team, was only the sixth man, Hal Greer, who was a terrific guard, Chet Walker, I'm bringing up names that people don't even know who they are, but they were really good players. Everybody has to have good players around them, but because Wilt was so dominant, it made it easier it's never easy but it made it easier for those players to be better better basketball players
4: when you have somebody behind you like wilt chamberlain uh you have the ability to take a chance and really be aggressive because he could cover up for you our offense is built on into wilt and you were cut that's when he averaged so many assists and he was very demanding on that the
1: 1966-67 season started with a bang They never
2: looked back after that. Then, in the playoffs in 1967, Wally Jones and the Sixers returned the favor. They turned the tables on the Celtics and knocked them out.
1: The finals were next. How about this for a fitting opponent? Philadelphia's old team, Wilt's old team, the Warriors, now the San Francisco Warriors, the Sixers won in six games, the 1966-67 NBA champions. But Dave Richmond couldn't shake the void
2: that's because this was Ike Richmond's team built in his vision. He'd been dead for over a year, and for Dave Richmond, the whole experience was really bittersweet.
0: They went out there, and then what happened, which was very nice for for me, is that my brother and I went out to the airport to see them when they landed. And Wilt walked out, he walked off the plane carrying the, the ball from the, the the game. And he saw my brother and I and he walked over to us and he, he said, here, this is this is for your mother, you know, give it to her with my love. And apparently we read in the paper that when Wilt took the ball at the game and it, in the locker room, he said to everybody, I'm going to give this ball to Claire Richmond. Any objections? And everybody said no.
2: Will Chamberlain played one more season for the 76ers, then he and the team had a falling out in the 1968 offseason.
0: I think the Philadelphia Magazine put out a story that my father told Will that if Wilt joined the team and he didn't retire and played it out, my father would give him 10% of the team. He couldn't give it to him in writing because it was against the NBA rules. And my father and Wilt, being who they were, they they didn't even shake hands. If if my father said it it was fine with Wilt, he knew we had it, okay? Once my father was gone, it was very, very different with everybody. It It just wasn't the same thing.
1: Wilt Chamberlain was traded to the Los Angeles Lakers in July 1968. He won a second championship in 1972, then retired after one more season.
0: My brother stayed more in touch with him than I did. He and I had a minor disagreement because he had done this thing where he was, like, coming out for uh, Nixon, which was kind of tough for me. <laughs> and I went out to see him, and we we got into the, one of these things where we really— uh, we, we couldn't really talk. And then he said, let's stop talking about politics. I got, I'll got take you to Beverly Hills for some pancakes. And that was sort of the last time I saw him. In 74, he had a book signing in Manhattan. And I was living in D.C. at the time. And I came back and I picked my mother up. And my mother and I came walking down the center aisle. And when we got close to him, he, he had been looking down And he looked up and he saw me and my mother, and he like rocked back on his heels like he was gonna fall over backwards and his eyes welled up with tears. He looked at me for a second and he blinked them away and just like got himself back together and sort of just became, you know, this presence again. But for that instant in time, he connected with the old days and all this stuff. Nothing moves the body or the mind like the heart. I I never forgot that moment.
2: Howard Eskin has seen a lot of Philadelphia sports in his life. But when he thinks back on the Wilt era with the 76ers, he thinks of his youth, of a time before radio and TV reporting and being a talk show host, when everything for him was still so pure.
3: I'll never forget it. I'll never forget how crazy it was. I mean, I'll never forget the things that happened for that basketball team. But through it all, you never forget Will Chamberlain.
2: Dave Uram, thanks so much for taking this trip back in time with me.
1: Always a pleasure, Brian.
2: The John Cass team is Tom Rickert, Sabrina Boyd-Serka, Sarah Smith, Holly Stevens, Myron Kaplan, and me, Brian Seltzer. Special thanks to Howard Eskin, Wally Jones, who's got a podcast of his own you should check out called Sports Inside and Out, and Dave Richmond. For more stories about Dave's memories of Wilt Chamberlain, he's got a book. It's called Wilt, Ike, and Me, and it's available on Amazon. He's also got a podcast called Stop Making Yourself Miserable. Check back next week for a brand new episode of the Johncast about a story you can only find from Philadelphia.